0: hit the subscribe button and the notification bell right now so you never miss an episode of Operation Truth. Send us an email, ask your questions, and very possibly we'll address your question on the air.
1: Operation Truth, the show they don't want you to see. Now, here's your host, Lou.
2: Hi everyone, this is Lou Palumbo with me as always is uh, Tom Fuentes, former assistant director of the FBI, my colleague and co-host. And we are fortunate again to get the busy guy, as I call him, busy man, <laughs> Christian Briggs. Um, we're going to have an interesting discussion today about the Middle East because it it appears things are escalating. Um, before we get into that, and I'm going to pose an interesting question or two to Christian right out of the gate. And Tom can give us some insight on this as well. Um, everybody's probably wondering why, after hearing for weeks on end how uh, Israel is going to invade uh, Gaza, they haven't done it. I want to explain something to you guys that you may not be totally understanding of. You know, you have to employ a tactic. And what I think is going on, and I'd like to defer to Tom on this because Tom is aware of the importance of tactic, is that the Israelis have been in Gaza and that they've been surgically removing and degrading the threat from Hamas. They've eliminated at least six or seven of their leaders. And I think they're just wearing it down and wearing it down till it can get to the extent when they go in to rescue the hostages, there's a higher survival rate for the hostages. I hope they learn something from Munich where we killed all the terrorists and all the hostages were killed as well. So I think the exercise at this point, employ a tactic degrade and diminish Hamas's ability to respond when they finally do cross this border in masses. They're also garnering intel, tunnels, using all types of technology like thermal imaging and reading body temperatures, things that Tom is aware of myself. And that's something that I think people aren't aren't aware of because every time you turn on the news – all you see over there is they're they're gonna be inviting Gaza. they're gonna this is they've been ha- having this on the bottom of the screen for three or four weeks they're not just telling me that as usual the people in the media not quite sure what they're talking about and before I go to uh Christian and I want to get into Christian with some questions that are very important in regards to Iran, Tom, you have a familiarization with this as well
0: yes, what specifically would you uh Want Cause me to talk about. I, I
2: took you a couple of places. Well, just about the, the importance of tactic, that they just don't rush the border like a bull in a china shop and try to take out a mass of people when they can surgically and tactically diminish their capability to resist that invasion. And subsequently, that would translate to their ability to rescue more hostages alive. That's really where I was going with this thing, Okay,
0: Tom. well, looking at this situation in particular, I think it's pretty much different than many of the other uh, urban warfare, door-to-door type combat things that we've seen in the past. Looking at Fallujah, for instance, during the Iraq War, uh, situations like that. I think in this case, uh, this is way more challenging for the Israeli IDF uh, defense force because Gaza is so huge, so congested. You've got 2 million civilians, so to speak. We don't know how many dozen, you know, could be up to 500, could be up to 1,000 Hamas members. We just learned within the past week that 500 of Hamas members went to Iran and trained on what they were going to do on October 7th and carried that attack out. So that was a well-planned, well-organized. So you have to know in their mind, that when they executed that horrific an attack, in the manner that they executed it, that the retaliation was going to be strong, severe, and intense on the part of Israel. And so you have to believe they positioned themselves in the tunnels, in these buildings, uh, using Palestinians' children as human shields, that they were prepared to ambush the Israeli army as they came in. And you know, we hear that so many Hamas members have been killed when uh, Israel went in. And we know that last night they had a tank operation that that uh, crossed into Gaza with a number of tanks. And then later, as as uh, morning was approaching, they withdrew. And, you know, again, Israel saying they did damage and killed serious leadership components of Hamas. But that's the difficulty here is that You know, as I mentioned in the past, the tactical units of all of the allies, whether it's the U.S. or the U.K. or Canada or Israel, anybody that faces these kind of operations, all the other allies study it in detail. So they look at what happened in Iraq, what happened in other situations in Afghanistan, go back to World War II, what happened in the the door-to-door as our military was clearing France and going all the way to Berlin. Um, so they've had a chance to really look at. And I think that the problem here is there's been nothing like this. There's nothing as difficult a challenge as the Gaza attack. Now, the other thing that's going on, I think, delaying uh, the go-ahead to full scale go into Hamas. And we just learned about it, you know, after a couple of days after it happened. But we've had several U.S. military bases attacked in Iraq and in Syria over the past weekend, 13 attacks. We've had U.S. military on those bases killed, or not killed, but injured severely uh, during those attacks. I guess one, one person died of a heart attack trying to run to the bomb shelter. But, you know, so we've had attacks on us. And then we hear our president, appeaser-in-chief, a tell the Ayatollah in Iran, If you if you do any more attacks, we're going to come after you, you know, a threat to that point. Well, wait a minute. We already had 13 attacks. How many? What's the magic number? 20, 50, 150. It it reminds me, if I can, you know, tell a side story. When I was a teenager, I had a cousin. Uh, We lived just outside Chicago. My cousin lived in Chicago. And he was always in trouble. He was one. He was about two years younger than me. One of these kids that was always, you know, getting yelled at by the teacher, sent home. And his mother happened to be my godmother, my aunt, would yell at him, Stevie. If you don't stop doing that, I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. Now I heard that expression how many times growing up when we were together or near him or you know engaged in some activity together. Not always bad, but in any event. I heard that experiment, I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. And I think that's our president. Iran, if you do any more bad things, we're going to do something about it. And then it happens again and again, going back to Obama's playbook, don't cross that red line. And then they cross it and cross it and cross it. Nothing happens. So I think that I think the (laughs) world knows that Biden's pretty much bluffing and that if he can avoid doing anything to Iran, he's going to try to do it.
2: You know, Tom, I think that the the ineptitude of our government at this point is fueling this problem there. They they're becoming more emboldened. Um, I want to transition over to um, uh, Christian right now, because we've had some exchanges about. Iran having a nuclear device, number one, and then number two, uh, delivery system. Uh, Christian, what are we hearing about that? Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: It's Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, Never the Issue, as well as yes, Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Jista the Rapper, Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Brock. Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless.
3: Okay, so let's first start with the understanding of where this all came from. Let's let's back up a second because we're talking about what is, but we need to really address the the understanding of why we've gotten to this point, or certainly how. We got to this because Obama, during his two terms, determined that Iran <clears throat> was looking for an expansion of their nuclear program for energy. And they said it's going to be a peaceful transition from conventional energy to nuclear power to create a better energy source at lower cost for the people of Iran. <clears throat> sounds great in theory, but we all knew that they were going to be able to take the enrichment of uranium and they were going to utilize different methods while well, they're making some for energy for the country they were also going to be making a portion a large portion for nuclear weapons and the belief was that the it wasn't a treaty because a treaty has to be ratified and approved by congress so this understanding a memorandum of understanding between the US and Iran and, the, uh, and other countries that were also participating within the context of this agreement said that Iran could continue to enrich uranium only for the purposes of energy, not nuclear power. So they continued. And the interesting thing about it was that within 10 years of that agreement being signed, had that thing continued in the same manner, Iran would have had enough enriched uranium, not the right kind, but they could have also been making it over here on the side, which they were, now it's been confirmed. They were. And then you utilizing that in nuclear capabilities. So let's fast forward. Trump gets in. He's like, he goes, this agreement's a piece of shit. All it does is guarantee Iran's ability to have a nuclear weapon. And that's going to create the most unstable global world we've ever seen. It's not like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Let me tell you why it's completely different. See, the Russians don't follow a doctrine that the more you kill, the more you're enriched in heaven. The Middle East follows an Islamic doctrine that says, if you kill a ton of people, your reward is far greater in heaven than if you don't. So the understanding of Iran was, we're going to kill these people in such mass quantities that we're just going to be living like kings up there. Holy cow, we're going to have everything we wanted and even more. So their goal is not to live peacefully, but to kill willfully. And now, all of a sudden, and even Trump just seven, eight days ago said that Iran is building an arsenal, an arsenal of nuclear weapons. Now, how would he know that? I'll tell you why. Because current and past presidents get the classified information that whether they are currently president or not, at the exact same time and the exact same amount. The only difference is past presidents can't act upon it. They can advise the current president on some ideas or understandings on how to play within different reasoning of, could be global conflict. This happens to be one of them. It could be economy, it could be social unrest, a number of different things. So now when Trump came out, and let me kind of read you the headlines here because it's really good. Uh, he doesn't hold anything back. That's, that's what I like about Trump. So on the context of what he was uh, talking to, he basically said, and this is one of those, those moments where you got to give the guy credit. But uh, back a couple of weeks ago, when you saw Hamas go into Israel with the backing of Iran, Iran never denied it. They just said they weren't particularly active in it. But they said that, yeah, they might have helped here. They're certainly sympathetic, all that good stuff. They were backing it. So if you were to Hamas, you're not going to go into an area where the defense— the military is supremacist to anything you can imagine. And they have nuclear weapons without the backing of somebody, certainly in their minds, equal, certainly or close to it. In this case, Iran. Now, Iran would never back Hamas, Hamas, and try to do something like that unless they were assured themselves that they had the capability to stand behind it and to have a secondary help, which have been Russia, China, North Korea, which they do, and they and they continue to have that expanded uh cooperation as kind of an alliance. So Hamas goes in, Iran backs them, backs Hezbollah. Why? Because they got nuclear bombs. They have nuclear capabilities. Now, can they launch it? That's the unknown question. There is so much evidence online that Stevie Wonder could see the realization that there's enough enriched uranium in the hands of the Iranian government. The question is, do they have the ability to launch this in some meaningful way. There's no denying that the enrichment program that they've done is absolutely capable of doing it. And I'm gonna read something from an article that was just recently out back in earlier this year from, this is right from uh, PBS online. Iran has enough enriched uranium to build not one, not two, several nuclear weapons according to the United Nations. Trump said just a few weeks ago that Iran was building an arsenal. Now, by definition, an arsenal is more than two. It's more than three. It's probably closer to five or ten. So when you start to look at the program that Iran has been doing, there is no question they have the technology to deliver a nuclear explosion. What the unknown question is, now there's rumors flying for this, so I'm gonna get a pre- pretense this, this question that I'm gonna give, and then I'm trying to give some kind of a hypothetical answer. Remember, all things are theories until they're proven conclusively as facts. However, facts, until proven, doesn't dismiss them as truth and facts. It just means the majority hasn't accepted it yet as facts and truth, so there's still theories, but we're gonna talk about conclusiveness, and I'm gonna tell you that I do believe that the mechanisms for Iran to be able to launch those is in their hands. Now I'll explain why here in a second, but going back to what has been said in the last six to nine months, and just here in recent weeks, is that they have enough nuclear material, Your rich uranium, different types, the different types for both energy production to keep your homes heated or cooled and light bulbs on, then it's different type of matter that goes into enriching uranium, for atomic energy, okay? Or nuclear energy. And I'm not talking about the power plant, I'm talking about full-scale nuclear war program. So if you look at the last, well, almost 18 months, actually probably has been about 18 months, actually a little longer, than February of last year, where Russia has been dominating, and I'm gonna say dominating because it's been one country against multiple countries, including the U.S. and Ukraine, there has been kamikaze drones those drones are made and built of course and delivered from iran to russia russia has been buying those what i've heard from my sources is that is not only just in cash that russia has been paying for those drones but they have actually traded technology from russia a nuclear programming so whether it's the it's the delivery or the or the reasoning that Iran has gotten so brave and cocky, in my belief, is because they have the ability to launch a nuclear weapon against Israel or other people. I do believe this wholeheartedly. Now, how far? We don't know yet. I do have a, a couple speculations, but there's purely speculations. I believe that it could go somewhere between seven and 800 miles, up to maybe 896 miles is my is my kind of theory. Again, I may be proven right here sooner than later, and that would be a misfortune, actually. I hope I'm, I'm never proven right. And so when saying that, I believe that you're going to see one of three things, or maybe all three. Israel is either going to strike first, Iran will strike first, feeling the threat, or three, neither one of them will, and the U.S. will annihilate Iran in some type, some type of military operation, which I believe is imminent and soon. Israeli uh, IDF, they're on their way now. They'll be going into Gaza. Troops have already moved into Gaza. uh, Tanks moved in last night, kind of clear the offense, uh, and to be able to make it a lot safer for ground troops. Within the next 24 to 48 hours, I believe you'll see more and more ground troops. Why do we have multiple carrier groups in our Navy sitting just a few miles off from the coast of Gaza. Well, because we're going to enter a war. We're going to be going in there, either one, as a peacekeeping mission. Yeah, that's what people like to think. But the reality is we're going to go in there to add support to Israel's defenses in the unfortunate event that Iran decides to participate in a larger scale, which I believe they will. Because remember, the difference between, go back to my original point, today, and the 62 Cuban Missile Crisis, which Kennedy was faced against Khrushchev and the the Cuban missiles that were obviously being shipped there, is that Russia doesn't die for the lie. Russia doesn't die to go to heaven. You don't have to live to kill and kill to get to heaven. They didn't believe in that. So they were a little bit more grounded in the understanding that if we do send these things out, what are the time elements that we've got before we got to kiss our asses goodbye when the U.S. launches. Well, fast forward, 51 years later, we've got Iran who would die for the lie, which is the more you kill, the more you get up in heaven. So their ideology is we want to nukes. We want to take out as many millions of people as we can, especially Jews and Christians, and anybody in between that gets in their way, you're out, you're done, you're cooked, okay? Turkey's ready, stuffing is already in the bird. So what we're going to see now is a Middle East rise. When Israel goes into Gaza, the Palestinians have a lot of loyalty. You've got Qatar. You even got now, according to, unfortunately, Jordan, the the Queen of Jordan, she gave some kind of testimonial yesterday about how Israel is really doing the bad part of this and that it was completely destroyed online, what she said. She So now maybe Jordan's sympathetic and now you've got Saudi Arabia that's been teaming up with Iran, supporting them and backing away from negotiations of any kind of peace or bilateral cooperation with Israel. And on top of all that, you got a bunch of nutcase ayatollahs in Iran going, hey, let's just knock these guys out. Let's nuke everybody and I'll meet you in heaven. Meet me at the corner where the 42,000 virgins are and we'll have a heyday of a day. And that's exactly what's coming. So, Lou, Thomas, my gut feeling is invasion is imminent, ground troops into Gaza, U.S. enters the war as support, Iran tells Hezbollah, go for it to the north, strain the resources of all of the infidels, and if we've got to, light that bird up, let's nuke their asses. That's what I've got so far.
1: The change from currency systems to fully digital cashless societies has intensified fear around the world. In mid-September, Wells Fargo and Truist Banks planned major layoffs as an impending 2024 recession has been predicted by many economists. Many analysts are predicting silver will hit an all-time high in 2024. That's why you need to own silver as a hedge. Green energy demand will possibly turbocharge silver prices to 50, 100, even 300 an ounce, according to many experts around the world. Silver is a proven hedge against inflation. Since 1971, silver has returned over 11% when averaged yearly. Hard Asset Management is a trusted leader in precious metals and rare coins for nearly 40 years. We have the guaranteed lowest prices, fast and easy ordering, expedited shipping, with award-winning customer service available 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. CST, Monday through Friday. So protect yourself from the chaos, invest in stability with Hard Asset Management, Call now and get your free hard asset management information kit on how easy it is for you to own silver. 844-426-4653. Free delivery and extra silver with every $10,000 bought. Use promo code 007.
2: Well, my- You to
0: mention, my, uh, Christian, ahead, you haven't mentioned Turkey. And Turkey I know. Is go, also...
3: I, 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 go ahead, Tom, because I, I got that up here, but you go ahead and talk on that because you're right 100%. Well, I
0: was just going to say, Turkey has already expressed solidarity Uh, if something bad happens to Hamas or Hezbollah, you know, they're going to, they're going to invade also. They hate Israel.
3: Hate them.
2: Well, guys, the, the one, one fact that it's attached to this entire conversation is that if the United States does not intervene militarily, there will be no more Israel. It's really that simple. And I think a lot of what you just spoke to, um, I would say all of what you just spoke to Christian is, is right on the money. Um, they're going to continue to strain and degrade Israel the same way I believe Israel is trying to strain and degrade Hamas before they go into to, to re- uh, rescue the hostages. In reference to the delivery system, I think we would be naive not to believe that they're in possession of a delivery system, especially with the support of nations like North Korea, who have demonstrated they have rockets to deliver devices. It's really that simple. The, the, the question at this point, is our ability, and I mean by our, Israel, the United States, our coalition, which is going to have to get involved in this thing, uh, our ability to determine if, if, in fact, they have that device and then what we're going to do preemptively. Um, you know, I I have to say something interesting. I'm watching all of this um, pushback in New York, in particular people that are pro-Palestinian and they're, uh, looking for restraint you know on on the, the side of Israel, which just simply isn't coming folks. They are relentless in their mission. They understand what has to be done. And what's so interesting about the demonstrations and I don't want to go off on a tangent about it too much, but you can demonstrate all you want in New York, Chicago, LA, wherever you so choose, not going to influence our foreign policy foreign policy and it certainly isn't going to influence what Israel's going to do. They're going to do what they need to know you know, that they have to do it. And that's, it's really that simple. Um, They're looking for restraint on, on the part of Israel. Well, just to remind everybody, after the trade center came down, we went after Afghanistan hot and heavy. There were no people protesting in our streets about, you know, let's have some restraint. We went in and did what we had to do to address a threat. I think everyone's pretty much acknowledged the fact that that tragically there's going to be collateral damage in the form of loss of human life, among other things. Um, This is not going to have a happy ending is my concern. My other concern is whether or not we have the right team in place to take this along by the hand and escalate it. You know, Christian, you, you discussed having... Um, a couple of aircraft carriers in in the Mediterranean right now. And and this thing about that's a deterrent, I hope it isn't window dressing and us being a paper tiger, which is part of my concern. You know, if there was ever a time that this guy was in over his head right now, Biden is in over his head. And tragically, I see no one on the on-deck circle in any capacity in this government that's up to speed. I listen to these press conferences. They're disconcerting, the lack of veracity, you know, the playing on words, the ducking and dodging the questions. It's just really un- unbelievable. Um, Tom, I, I want to ask you, um, I want to just go off onto this shooting in Maine for a minute, um, which has overtaken the airwaves. You know, we almost didn't hear Israel. Um <clears throat> since this thing broke last night. And on top of that, I mentioned in the last podcast, the last broadcast that we haven't talked about our borders, the cities, our foreign policy just is what it is. This whole cost of living, this transition to electric electricity, which is just completely being misrepresented the manner in which that will take place. And I'll just use the word nuclear just so people understand. But, um, you know, you know, yeah, Lou,
0: if I could go back to that one second before getting to the main shooter. Go. Uh, you know, we don't know, we know or we're told now that Iran trained hundreds of Hamas members in Iran, uh, probably Hezbollah and some of the other groups as well in Iran. And at the time they trained them and at the time they prepared for the attack that occurred in Israel on October 7th, they had to know that Israel was going to react and react severely. In fact, they've held off, I think, a lot longer than even Iran would have predicted. I think they figured there was going to be a tremendous emotional response in an immediate attack of Hamas in Gaza You know, a couple of weeks ago. And the reason I'm saying this is, what's to say if Iran does in fact have one or more nuclear weapons now, And they knew that this attack was going to happen, followed by a massive retaliation by Israel. What's to say that they didn't put nuclear devices into Israel or smuggle them into the area already, and that they're not going to rely on any kind of a missile system or aerial system or aerial bombers like we did when we dropped our bombs in World War II, but use the trucks, you know, trucked them in to Israel or Gaza or Lebanon and put them in a position that they're already there. We can attack Iran all we want, or uh, Israel can attack by air, can can bomb the oil fields and all of that in Iran, but maybe their nuclear weapons are already in position to be used in Israel.
2: You know, Tom but and Christian, there's just one issue with all of this. You know, suggesting that Iran would detonate a nuclear device in Israel You know, I understand it sounds like it might address their mission statement, but there's going to be fallout from that. There are countries contiguous to uh, Israel, north, uh, south, and west. and On the east side is the Mediterranean. But it's not like this isn't going to have an impact on other parts of the Middle East, because it is, simply stated. Um, I also think that if there was really... A strong sense that Iran was in possession of a device that Israel would be, be would have addressed it or they still may address it. You know, this thing is going to continue to play out. I want to leave it right there for now, day by day. And we're going to see. And this is our concern, the level of commitment and involvement the United States takes on. So I, I hear every, I, I, you know, these are all hey, I'm going
3: to I got, I got a bunch of. Good- Hang on, Sam. I, mean, I got you. Got some good stuff there. You made some good points on some stuff here, but I got I got answers for you. Ready? You ready yep. now? Here we go. Yep. So two things. There's articles that show two two important basic elements that need to be addressed. Number one, we have what they call super bunker buster bombs. Now, Thomas, are you familiar with the bunker buster bombs? You know the ones that go deep.
0: Yeah, and there have been articles recently saying that none of the bunker buster bombs. Or greatest of all time, or any of those, can go deep enough because Iran has put their nuclear nuclear program so far underground in the mountains that we wouldn't be able to penetrate it with our bu- uh, bunker buster bombs.
2: Was it, right. Wasn't that also a problem, gentlemen, with Iraq? Supposedly, the bunkers that were built, which were built by Germany, I heard they they were uh, uh, we weren't able to get to them either. We weren't able to reach them as well. Isn't that true in Iraq as well? Back.
3: You are correct, Lou. There were some that were not able to be gotten to like that. Yeah, they had to go in there and do different versions, different missions. See, we've got we've got bombs that can go down to between 60 and 80 feet. But when you've got 12, 15 feet of concrete that go below even 80 feet, only thing that can penetrate that would be a nuclear bomb. Now, the re- the reason and there's articles just in the last couple three months here, three, four, five months that are continuously showing that the reactors, the enrichment reactors, and there's probably about a dozen reactors, are anywhere from a minimum of 60 to 100 feet. Now, some people speculate it could be even deeper. Now, nobody really knows for sure, because remember, the inspectors were never allowed to go back in there, right? The IAE, the International Atomic uh, Energy Agency, was never allowed to go back in there. When they weren't allowed to go back in there, Lou, <clears throat> what happened was they then determined, it's kind of like, I know you're up to something because I can hear you in your bedroom cranking on something bad. They knew that they were doing some enrichment because remember, there's two different types of enrichment, one for energy use and one for atomic explosion use, fission and fusion. So at the end of the day, the belief is, I don't think it's a belief, I think it's just a known fact, is that the that the reactors are so deep that Iran knew this. Now, years ago, Thomas, do you remember that Mossad was knocking off a lot of the Iranian scientist, nuclear scientists years ago they were popping those ass wipes okay absolutely absolutely All right. that's right there were seven of them that got killed over about a 3 year period where Mossad took them out they that was how they got more information to realize holy shit these things are deep in the ground if they're so deep in the ground the method that was traditionally or at least at the time the conventional method would not be available to do that and so only a nuke of of you know a decent size i can't tell you what the kilotons is but a decent size right 2 3 kilotons would have the impact to be able to destroy the concrete and thus bury these things deep down in the ground for what could be eternity but now they've got so much enriched uranium and they've had they put it to use in in bombs the question comes back to the same thing i've said before The reason, and this is my theory now, this is a theory. The reason that Israel has not struck first is because once you pull that trigger, there is no return. So every opportunity to diffuse the situation prior to the Hamas evasion was utilized. And I do believe that, well, you heard Netanyahu, he said it clearly, nukes are on the table. He made it real clear in that 48 hours after Hamas went to Israel, all options are on the table, all meaning everything, including nukes. So now he knows that, the, that the, the information provided, Mossad, MI6, CIA, is conclusive. They've got the bombs. Do they have the means to launch them? I don't know the answer to that. Speculation among certain people is, yes, they do, from the technology that Russia provided them, in exchange for the kamikaze drones, which are clearly evident. And we do know they exchange technology, that's been proven. So will Iran continue to be the bully? Because remember, you're not a bully unless you got a chip on the shoulder. Is the chip nukes? And can those nukes then be airborne? Where are they getting their big dick status, right? The big dick status is, I got the dick, I can hold my own, I got something else to show you. And I believe that Iran has the nukes, has capabilities to launch them. We know this. That's why we sent over the ships, the carrier groups, and the troops. And by the way, U.S. troops are on the ground in Israel as of right now. That's been confirmed by two sources. I don't think it's very, man. I think it's just more of a hostage uh, hostage rescue missions in Gaza.
2: You know, guys, there are are three what I call corner turners. The first one's going to be when... Israel does invade Gaza. And then the next corner turner is going to be the response from Hezbollah. And the third corner turner is going to be the response by Iran, you know, and now it's, it's trying to figure out what everybody's response is actually going to be as this thing continues to escalate. There is no indication that Israel is going to back down from their position in addressing Hamas, period. End of discussion. The question moving forward is, all these people that are rattling sabers, you know, they always say, don't let your mouth write a check. Your body can't cash. Well, let's mm. see what Hezbollah does and let's see what Iran does. You know, this whole situation in the Middle East, the timing couldn't be worse, guys, because we're we're being pulled in different directions as we're sitting here speaking about it. We're we're over invested in the Ukraine, in my opinion. Now we've got to back Israel. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. They are a cornerstone Agreed. to our security. And now we're possibly knocking on something with Taiwan. And, you know, you talk about spreading us too thin. I don't know what the end game is on this. Guys, I I do want to go back to this issue just very quickly up in Maine, because something that, again, we're not talking about in this country because it's a heavy lift is the mental health issue. And I know we're talking about, you know, gun control, right? Right away, they're talking about gun control and the access to weapons, I find it incredibly interesting that no one seems to have the wherewithal to realize that times have changed and we need to start to screen people before we give them weapons, period, psychologically. Maybe we should apply that to motor vehicles as well. But point taken here, let's do something to fix this going forward because this is not going to go away. We have a mental health problem in this country that we just seem to want to avoid if we recall around this time last year, we had that big bipartisan gun control agreement, and they talked about allocating funding to mental health. Where? Enhanced background checks. Apparently, that didn't work because, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing we know about you when they run what they call a NICS check, National Instant Criminal Background Check, is you haven't been convicted of a felony. The other fly in the ointment right here, and we've talked about this a little bit off screen, is this whole thing with HIPAA. You know, this conversation has to be visited. The other thing we have to be careful of is that people don't start to weaponize this whole thing with someone's mental, emotional state, you know, because we know how how vindictive people can be and how irresponsible they can be. You know, I just had another friend in the New York City Police Department kill himself. I won't give you his name. He, he incredibly well-liked. He was a deputy inspector, recently retired. The notion that we would ever go for counseling Right. Or to talk about something. The minute the police department found it, they modify you. They take your guns. They stick you behind a desk. Everything is counterproductive to your healing. That's why we kind of compartmentalize it. And I know this from our own community. I know, Tom, you can speak to this as well. But this whole thing about mental health at some point has got to be discussed, number one. And number two, we keep avoiding April 20th of 1999, which was our wake up call Columbine. We've lost a generation of people here. This guy involved in the shooting was 40 years old. That's 1983 the guy was born. What about accounting for the mental state of most Americans? And you know what? I laugh because leading the charge and, and deception and lies and, and how would you say a loss of reality is the entertainment industry. Every time you turn it on, it's bang, bang, shoot them up and indiscriminate killing of people. Then we have video games Tragically, some of our guys from special forces are involved as technical consultants in making them as authentic as possible. Weapon systems, weapon types, tactics. Guys, you got to take responsibility at some point. The common denominator to all this, people are making money off this. We call it blood money. But this mental health problem is a big one. Um, This HIPAA law has to be looked at. We need intelligent reform. Maybe we should stop calling it gun control. Control is a very negative word. Maybe it's a firearms management issue we need to soften the blow for everyone. I would never suggest disarming this country for reasons that we're talking about today. We see what's going on in the Middle East and the Ukraine, possibly what's going to go on in Taiwan. We're rushing to arm Israeli citizens. We're rushing to arm Ukrainian citizens. How anybody in this government suggests that you should own an assault rifle is just pure buffoonery. But instead of, you know, continuing to politicize this and looking through this political lens, why don't we problem solve here, guys? Why don't we do what I've spoken to a number of times? And I want to go back and, and revisit something that I've said on air before when we were doing Between the Lines before we transitioned into Operation Truth and what I spoke about on a live radio show two days a week. I moved to Manhattan Beach, California. I had a home up in Malibu, and I moved down to Manhattan as well. I had two nice places. My one apartment was on the Pacific Ocean in Malibu, but I'm down in Manhattan Beach, younger, happening, dripping with young girls. Let me be really candid with you so I'm not lying about this. Big motivator. So I bump into the chief in Manhattan Beach Police Department, Ernie Klebershaw. Gentleman, intelligent, just smart, well-spoken, and I went in and I pled my case. I explained to him I was a retired law enforcement agent. I owned a very high-profile private security group, rattled off a few clients, provided him an overview on the company. And he said to me, I want to help you with this. I'm going to give you a concealed weapons permit, which allows you to carry throughout the state of California. Here were the conditions, guys. To get my first permit, I had to go and be psychologically screened with the same individual, same young lady that, that screened LAPD in Manhattan Beach Police Department. I took Minnesota multiphasic screening. I know they changed the name of that. Raw Shock Word Association at an interview. I got a permit for two years. Permit was coming up for expiration. Guess what, guys? I went in again, and I took Minnesota multiphasic screening and the whole battery of testings. And I did that for like about, eh, I'm going to say, a 10-year cycle, 10-year period. Every time they went in, and they background checked me, and they made me come in and qualify So why don't we add some intellect to this discussion and fix this problem or start to address it on some level. And again, guys, let me say one thing to you. This is just the beginning of a conversation because we have to be careful when we become the architects of these big plans that they don't discriminate or make it, um, I would say problematic for certain people as opposed to other people. Bottom line is psychologically screen you, conduct a criminal history check, train you, in my opinion, comparable to what law enforcement gets. Why would you want less? And please read the law so that when you suddenly think you're doing something legal because you want to intimidate or scare somebody like brandish a gun, you'll get charged in New York with menacing. If it's loaded, reckless endangerment. Reckless endangerment's a felony. Why wouldn't we as a nation want to be armed with knowledge with this type of tool? Why is it we can't get the Republicans, the Democrats, and the, and the stickler, stickler on this is the NRA? Why can't we get people to sit down and understand what we need to do today? I did it willingly, five times at least, I think six times every two years. It was a condition. I had no problem complying. And I'm going to tell you one last thing, and I'm going to then turn over to Christian and Tom, their thoughts on this thing. I was doing a live uh, radio show down here in Jacksonville, WBOB, right? Five to six Monday, Tuesday. And every single person that came on that show, I had the opportunity to ask him, I want to offer you a concealed weapons permit that will allow you to carry a concealed weapon in all 50 States, the district of Columbia and the U S territories, except the canal zone, which is a restriction we have even as retired and active law enforcement agents can't go to the canal zone. I, you want an assault rifle. I got the memo. Here's what I'd like you to do. And I just rattled off the parameters of, qualifying you to have it. Every single person said they would. And guys, while we're talking about this, the momentum continues to swing in a direction other than what the Democrats want. We are in. I think, the 27 states that have constitutional carry, which means by virtue of the, of the Constitution of the United States, you can carry a concealed weapon in that state without a permit, which means we know ungats about you. And in Italian, people know that what that means. Nothing. We know nothing about you. But you're allowed to carry a concealed weapon. Florida just went to it this year. Last year was Texas. I believe earlier this year may have been Georgia. Pay attention here, guys. Fix this problem. This individual, there's a whole backstory to this that I don't want to get into because we're getting it from the media and we can't get an accurate body count tragically, no less an an accurate backstory because they don't really care what they say to you. They just want to say something to hold your attention, which could lend this conversation to really what's wrong in the country. And that's what the media is doing to us in in, uh, conjunction with the uh, elected officials. But rare
1: coin prices have exploded in the last three years. Hard Asset Management, one of the world's largest precious metals and rare coin dealer firms, makes recommendations on what to buy for collectors who know what they're looking for. We maintain one of the world's largest rare coin inventories for individuals seeking to diversify precious metals and rare coins. We can make strong recommendations in areas that we feel have the strongest potential for long-term growth. Call today, 844-426-4653 to receive our free rare coin newsletter or register online at bmcham.com. Free delivery and extra silver with every $10,000 bought. Use promo code 007.
2: I now yield to Tom and to to um, Christian as far as, you know, their their feelings on what I just said. Is Am I being unreasonable, gentlemen?
0: Not at all. You know, Lou, when I was a uh, street cop, which is a term of, of endearment for police officers to be labeled a street cop, and I, I was a patrol officer six years in uniform on the street before joining the FBI. And during that time, if we encountered somebody, not necessarily armed or unarmed, but just somebody who was very mentally ill, and we knew that you know they had to be taken to the hospital and not to a medical hospital. And uh, where I worked within about 15 minute drive, we had two mental health centers we could take them to. And they had doctors in their intake that you would call, you know, on the radio if you were on your way with somebody, you'd bring them in, take them into that intake center, and then they would be doing the examination. You, as a police officer, could put them in that facility for 24, 48 hours of examination by the psychiatrist and psychologist that worked in that center. So several years later, after I was in the FBI, and I'm back you know, visiting my father, who had also been a police officer. And we drove by one of those facilities uh, just outside Chicago. And it, you know, looked like it was empty and boarded up. He said, oh, yeah, they closed it up. They've closed all the mental health centers in Illinois, uh, budget cuts. And they took a bad rap that people said this is unfair and people shouldn't have to be taken to a facility like that. So the only option for a police officer now dealing with a severely mentally ill person on the street is take them to a regular hospital where you have patients who are in there for medical treatment, waiting their turn uh, in the emergency room. And now you're going to bring in somebody who's not physically sick other than severely mentally ill. And that's the state we're at. That Somehow people got the idea, well, it was cruel to force somebody to be put in a facility uh, like that and we shouldn't do it to people. And now they go from a situation that a lot of people didn't like to a situation where they basically get no training. Training. Now you mentioned HIPAA, which basically says if the individual is 18 years old and you as a police officer, you take them to an emergency room, you take them to a facility, the parents have no right to learn what the situation is, what the diagnosis is, what the doctors or psychiatrists say, because privacy laws protect the patient and they can't find out so they don't know if their kid is supposed to be if he's 18 to whatever and still living at home let's say they don't know what medicine he's been prescribed you know what it does what happens if he doesn't take it all of the issues that come up parents or family members or spouses have no right to know under HIPAA
2: you know, Tom, I, I just want to expand on that comment. And I want to go to Christian because you and I come out of the law enforcement community and Christian always adds a very interesting dimension to these conversations. So, Christian, just bear with me. This whole unraveling of the mental health system occurred in the 70s with Geraldo Rivera and an expose he conducted on a place called Willowbrook in Staten Island. Mm-hmm. The problem with the mental health facilities is that the, the, the treatment of people who were mentally ill was inhumane is what they found out. And predicated on that, they shut Willowbrook. They shut Creedmoor and Pilgrim State in New York. And what Tom was talking about, when we pick somebody up off the street in New York, we call them an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person. We can have you remanded for 72 hours. But Tom's right. We take you to Bellevue. They treat you for everything in Bellevue. That's the environment. Or I'm trying to think of the other place we're taking you to in Nassau County, Nassau County Medical Center. They treat Mm -hmm. you for everything there. You get in a car accident, you have a compound fracture of the femur bone. You're in these facilities, along with people mentally ill. But it lends itself, Tom, Christian, to my statement that we really don't bite into this apple. This is a big problem because, you know, I keep saying this, guys, and I know, Tom, you have your own uh, perception of this issue with population. I just look at this very simplistically because maybe I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, the sharpest tool in the shed. We've overpopulated this damn country to the extent that we cannot take care of it or its people compounded by the fact that we're letting more people in you know we are straining and draining our resources and our assets as we're sitting here talking about this today uh Christian you heard what I just said about this whole issue with uh, mental health facilities and and my recommendation about how to start to address mentally ill and emotionally disturbed people from getting guns what what are your thoughts?
3: Well, first, let me make notes here. So we wouldn't want to call these assault rifles. The individual is the assault, not the rifle. They're just rifles. They're semi-automatic rifles, 223, 556, what have you, blackouts, whichever. So let's not call them assault rifles because rifles can't assault without something pulling the trigger. That's first and foremost. Mental, inst- m- mental instability has been around since Cain and Abel. Okay, they They just are. It's just the way it's going to be. I know that some of the past ways of which we would deal with that is exactly what you said. Lock them up, throw them you know, a, a bone here and there, maybe throw them an aspirin when they need it, but put them in a padded cell, they'll be just fine. Get them a lobotomy, give them some shock treatment, and they'll, they'll succumb to more of a, uh, a milder way of living. Those aren't the right tactics. That's, that's almost witchcraft at best. The way you treat this stuff, and I can't disagree with mental health background checks. However, with people not showing instability or lack of better judgment for a way of saying it, you're going to have to just roll the dice. You can't have red flag laws that say, I think he's a bad guy. Well, you think or you know. Show me the evidence and we'll show you. An opportunity to bring that person in for a psych evaluation test.
2: Christian, please so stop for probably- one second. I do. I yeah, do agree with everything sure. you just said, but yeah. what I'm saying, what I'm sp- specifically speaking to in regards to evaluation, is for yeah. the purpose of allowing people to access guns that we carry in law enforcement and that our military carries overseas and and assaults and counter assaults so i hear exactly what you're saying and this whole thing with the red flag and that's why i said earlier buddy you know my concern is always that someone's going to get real creative and weaponize this and try to punish their spouse or their neighbor or a relative or a friend you're 100 percent right that's why i also said Uh, prefacing this conversation that this is just the beginning of the conversation that we need to sit down with some people that appear to be or would like you to think that they're intelligent and start to problem solve this issue because it isn't going away. And as far as the mental health of the country, along with the growth of the country, exponentially is an increase in other areas. The other thing, guys, we've lost this generation of children. The mental health of these kids today is horrific. Listen to them and look at them. We, we've used technology to parent our children. We parent our children with Amex cards and BMWs and Mercedes. We're not even talking about the failed parenting component of this today, guys. I don't think we have enough time, but I agree 100% with you. You know, how are you supposed to know if someone has all the, the wheels turning in the right direction until you test them? And we're not going to just do that randomly. That's not fair. It's not the kind of America that we live in. But my thing is this criteria to obtain a deadly weapon, we need to do a little bit more than vet you, make sure you're not convicted of a felony. That's my position on this thing. I lived it in Manhattan Beach, guys. It works. If Ernie can do it, the rest of this country can do it. And I have to tell you the other thing. That was 1994. I I know, because I still have the permits that he gave me. And I know the criteria that I had to meet. And one thing I know about myself is I think I'm sane based on this whole process that I subjected my to at least five or six times, not counting the police department. 1973, we took Minnesota multiphasic screening, Raw Shock Word Association. I don't know what to tell everybody about this, but now we, we have another heinous gun act. And rather, we're talking about the need for the public to have this weapon. Well, why don't you go tell the Iranians, I mean, the uh, Ukrainians that, and go tell the Israelis that? I, I didn't mean to cut you off, um, uh, Christian. I apologize. So please continue with your thoughts. I just wanted to delve a little bit into what your comments were, your observations.
3: So here's how it kind of works on average you have roughly about 4,000 people this year as an estimate between 3,700 and 4,000 that will be killed in mass shootings. Like we saw last night, 4,000. Okay. You have about 40,000 people that will basically kill themselves with guns, tragedy, self-inflicted suicide. You're not going to stop that. That's just a given. So the 40,000 is almost irrelevant because they'll find a way to kill themselves anyway. But what people don't realize is you have about 340,000 people that were saved by the gun, saved by their life from somebody that was an imminent threat of life. So the question you have to ask yourself is, the 4,000 in mass shootings, the 40,000 in suicides, and I'm a mathematician, are those two numbers greater or less than the 340,000 estimated lives that were saved by self-defense where guns were used either by the perpetrator of being shot by the person that's being assaulted or by a person who was armed, who then saved the life of the person that was either in imminent or was actually being threatened and killed. So the question comes right down to, do you want to save more and have guns utilized in the same manner they're in, increase the awareness of mental instability through realistic expectations of evaluation or do we bitch and complain and say, get rid of the guns and 340,000 lives are still going to be killed because bad guys don't give a shit about laws. Those are numbers from the FBI.
2: You're you're Christian. You're you're right on the money. And then what you're saying, but let me, let me give you another little bit of, uh, uh, hypocrisy in the country. You mentioned yeah. forty thousand people dying as a result of guns. We have forty thousand people, and you can Google this, guys. I'm yeah. not here to spoon feed you. Forty thousand people a year die from secondhand smoke. Over four hundred eighty thousand right. die from smoking-related illnesses. Amen. I don't, know what the, I don't know what we're talking about in this country today. But you right. know what? what Why I'm, are we I'm talking afraid... about
3: guns, gun laws, for four thousand people when you've got eight hundred thousand that die of lung cancer and preventable? Cancers from bad living, bad lifestyle, shitty health habits, right? Eat, smoke, drugs, alcohol. Hell, there's a million people that die of heart disease a year. Most of that heart disease comes from drugs, alcohol, and eating improperly. That's a million people. We should get rid of alcohol, all drugs, and you should never have fast food again. Let's save a million people, Lou. I think we're going to get the the uh, the the Nobel Prize for health. I think I got this figured out, baby. We got it coming.
0: Yeah, you but know, that's going to add to our overpopulation <laughs> if you save all those people.
3: Uh okay. Well, there goes the WWE. <laughs> we're done. John Kerry. Car- oh, hold on, I oh, got a call got from John Kerry. Bill Gates. He call told me to back shut please. up because I found a way to not have depopulation. Sorry, guys, I got to call you back.
2: <laughs> anyway, you know, the, the thing that's interesting about this is that right about this. it's probably yeah, exponentially easier to address this gun issue than these other issues we're brushing up against. Because, it you is. know, 480,000 people, it's almost a half a million people are dying from cigarette smoke every year. They're talking about this is a gigantic billboard on Santa Monica Boule- uh, Boulevard as you drive from
3: i know what that is west to east
2: is. you know what i'm talking about gives you the stats right there all you've got to do is look it's right it's like looking at the budget you know the deficit in time uh not Times square down in union square guys it's staring you in the face but you know what gets me we keep electing these people that they can't get out of their own way You know, most of them can't find their ass with both hands. I don't understand what's going on in this country. And all we have is a lot of posturing in the media, no problem solving. A lot of posturing in in the uh, uh, political arena, no problem solving. Guys, we're giving you a fix right here. We can give you a fix to everything, the borders, your crime in your city. Uh, Christian just brushed up against something that you guys need to understand. You want to reduce crime? It's not gun laws. It's the enforcement of the law. Some notion that we have vacated today, guys, and it's not about being a Republican or a Democrat. It's about understanding the country you're in and wanting to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Any case, guys, um, I I did want to talk about um, uh, Israel taking a backseat to the shooting. You know, I was mentioning earlier that Israel— took our attention away from the borders, which are critical in this country. Whether people understand this or not, the scope and scale of this issue is going to overwhelm us. This random crime in our cities, this cost of living. You know, all of a sudden, Israel smothered that. Now, Israel's been smothered over this shooting in Maine. And I don't know what drum they're beating up in Maine. This is another, uh, in my opinion, potentially avoidable situation if you just listen to the conversation a couple of minutes ago that we have. This hey, is hey, Luke, incredible. Well, yes, sir. Hey, Luke, yes, let me, yes,
3: sir. Let me, I got to bring this to everybody's attention about Israel because people need to realize what we we're talking about on the top of the show. And this is exactly the reason why it goes into the gun thing. Ukraine, Ukrainian civ, uh, citizens were barred from any guns and they started handing out guns. Israelis were barred from guns they start handing out guns. I w- I had the pleasure of last night dining with the chairman of Homeland Security and um, and Security Committee. And we know that there are estimates floating around by how many terrorists have come in. Okay, those estimates are a very large range. Now, online, you'll see a lot of people throwing numbers out. I have a feeling, and I cannot confirm this with, with the congressman, Mark Green, you know, obviously, who's chairman of Homeland Security Committee, because he, nobody really knows, but he's got some good, good suspicious numbers, I'm sure, because he's got access to the data we don't. But my estimate is personal, based on sources that I truly believe is about a quarter million sympathetic, maybe more. I've heard as high as 2 million. That may not be too far off the reality, which scares me to even think that number could be real, which it may be. And that is when I say sympathetic, we know that if you took 100 people of the Muslim faith that between five and 10%, this is a fact, this has been tested and proven, would have sympathetic means to adjust, justify the jihad or the war against Christians and Jews or, or non believers. Let's just call it non believers. But so let's take this. You got roughly 10, 12, 15 million people who follow the Muslim faith in the United States. Let's do the math. It's not far now from the reality is will 5 or 10% of those people rise to the occasion to kill the infidels? Now we do need guns. We need these military-style guns, potentially. Why? Because whatever happens was inevitable, the theory of chaos. Ukraine, one. Israel, two. We have open borders. Did you guys see the numbers published yesterday? We've had more terrorists apprehended at the border so far this year, than the last 20 years combined, period. In fact, it's the last 30 years.
2: let me say say one thing to you, sir. Everything you're you're referencing is spot on, and and I want to make this in a real simple concept for everybody. If the United States intervenes militarily on behalf of Israel, you should expect terrorist incidents in this country and mass numbers. And I don't know what the FBI is doing, and I don't want to start this because I'll end up, you know, giving Tom high blood pressure, but I hope <laughs> they're paying attention to who's in this country right now. I don't need to make a
3: joke of it. But... Um, you have high blood pressure? No, Tom, Tom's too cool. Man. No, yeah, i give no, it to I him don't. by the but end Luke, of the show, how, though. How
0: is the FBI going to be aware of the threat when we don't know who's coming across the border by the yeah. millions? We have right. several million people in the Biden administration millions. that have- that came into our country. It's basically a walk in the park. We don't know who they are. We have no clue, anything about them. And so, and how many does it take to launch a successful terrorist attack? One, Tom,
2: one, one. Hey guys, listen, we're going to continue this conversation in the next uh, show, next podcast. I'd like to pick up right where we left off because what we're talking about related to this domestic issue of terrorism, the borders, how it's fed. This is critically oh. important for us to continue this discussion. I'm going to give you the closing word, Christian.
3: Okay, I got to tell you, we're going to keep it going for a few more minutes. The the co-pilot, I'm sorry, the off-duty pilot who assaulted the pilot and co-pilot to turn the engines off at of the Alaska Airlines said he was under high level of stress and depression and took magic mushrooms and became. Irreversibly violent to the point of trying to kill 83 people. Now, I did a little homework on these psychedelic magic mushrooms, much like cannabis. Let me tell you how it works with mushrooms and cannabis. If you take too little, you don't feel it. You take just a little bit more, you kind of feel a little maybe a fork. You know, you kind of like one of maybe hugs and kisses are. You take too much, you get the best sleep of your life. Nobody in the history of mushroom taking or cannabis taking becomes so violent they wanna shoot up everybody around them. That is a lie. When we as a country and the investigators look at this, magic mushrooms or psychedelic mushrooms treat what? Anxiety and depression and schizophrenia. It calms them down. It doesn't make them wanna go shoot their parents. It doesn't wanna make them go and run a marathon. They just want to get into a hot tub and love everybody. That's the way it is. So for this guy, hear me out, to get on a plane as a pilot in the cockpit, mind you, on the jump seat, for him to get up and willfully shut those engines down, which they were milliseconds away from irreversible harm because the pilots had to get those throttles pulled back. As you know, I'm a pilot. I know how this works. And let me tell you something. It doesn't add up. Now, Going back to his background, here's a white guy, looks just like middle America, sounds like middle America, wife and two kids, works for a great company, great benefits. You would have to be bent, psycho crazy to be able to do that. And so to me, that was, in my opinion, when the dust settles and the backgrounds are checked, don't be surprised if there's more to that story than what meets the eye. And all of a sudden, the story's gone. Do we hear about that story? He's got charged with eighty-three counts of attempted murder, eighty-three attempts of great bodily harm, and one attempt of just trying to destroy a commercial airline uh, plane. So it doesn't add up. The four and four is not making eight, Lou. It's making less. Six, five, four.
0: And on that, I can add to that a little bit. You know, the one. Go ahead, Tom. Let's keep running. (laughs) Yeah, the one profession that we have where it's reputed that the psychological testing is the best is in the astronaut program, right? All the testing and going back to the Mercury project that they went through so that they could, you know, function in space and in isolation or under pressure. And yet did we not have a female astronaut drive for, put on a strap on a diaper and drive (laughs) from Houston to Florida because she wanted to kill another woman that was a rival to her boyfriend.
2: I know yeah, her. Too. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Are
0: you the boyfriend? Uh, here, here's the point. <laughs> Not boyfriend. Anyway, so if on. we have an astronaut go off the rails like that, right. who tests and what kind of testing do the pilots get that fly Air Force One?
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Thomas. And I'm going to, how about this, Lou? Thomas, listen to this. You go online and there are theories, and these theories are like anything else. they come from a place or an origin where there's some fact basis to build on the, the facts to a theory which is the expansion of the facts. My theory is this, and I will be proven right over time, that somewhere between five and ten percent of all commercial airline pilots, as what happened to the Malaysia Airlines seven years ago, that was a jihad. And at 5 to 10% of commercial airlines, because the fastest growing religion in history is what? Islam. And then you'll find that these commercial pilots have Muslim ties directly or indirectly, and eventually will become the new lead on terrorism. You mark my words, commercial flights will become the means, and they will be homegrown, born in America, parents, or they get flipped. Like so many Americans or other people around the world, they get flipped to the Muslim or Islamic religion, and and then they go off the rails into that far radical side of it. And then they decide, I I got myself an opportunity here. We're going to crash this Dreamliner. I'm going to get my virgins. I'm going to be living with Allah, Muhammad, and all the rest of the nutcases up there. And bing, bam, boom, here we go. Watch what happens. This guy did not take magic mushrooms and become so violent he wanted to kill everybody on board father husband loving two kids go look it up Lou thomas he doesn't fit the profile because we don't know what the profile is so maybe he did hit pit, fit the profile that's what's scary because thomas is right this astronaut lady who by the way was a dec- decorated air force like major or something thomas wasn't she like an officer in the air force yeah. originally Yeah, and then she went off the rails because some guy that she was dating was dating another girl, and even then it was part-time, kind of a one-night thing, drove 2,000 miles in a diaper. Who does that shit? Crazy-ass people do that shit. That's what it is all about, Lou.
2: Somebody that didn't want to stop for a potty break, to be honest with you, but I have to make one observation. (laughs)
0: That's why they invented Depend underwear, just for that situation. Yeah, You're
2: not not speaking from experience, I hope, Tom. I just have one observation. You
3: you, you, you can be funny at times. Thomas has got some good sense of humor, baby. You're good. All right.
2: Listen, we're closing this show, but one observation. Christian brought up a couple of times all these virgins and dying. Now, I just made an observation. I'm not saying I'm not insinuating. I'm not inferring anything. But I couldn't help but notice he has this. Preoccupation with virgins and dying. So that's, but that's his wheelhouse. Hey, Guys, hey, I'm
3: just going by what, what Muhammad has promised his followers. That's all I can say. What
2: everybody better understand <laughs> is the fact that this whole movement towards Israel, this anti Israel movement, is anti Western also. You need to pay Absolutely. attention to what's going on in your country. Guys, this has been Operation Truth. You can uh, contact us, Operation Truth Official at gmail.com. Please get involved in this conversation. We want to help problem solve. We want to give you something to think about. We're not trying to spoon feed you. We leave that to Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, and their messages are all over the place because most of the time they don't know what they're talking about. They're dependent upon people like us to give them information. Another discussion for another day. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Tom. As Thank always. you.
3: Thank you, Rock and Roll, people. Thank you, guys.
2: Bye, guys.